Chapter Twenty Eight of Bonne Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bonne Marie: A Tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Greville. Translated by Mary Neal Sherwood. Chapter Twenty Eight. At last, when Bonne Marie was alone, she sat with her head leaning on her hand in a state of profound depression. Her brief recital had cost her many a pang. She had been impelled to undertake it solely by the desire to raise herself in jean baptiste's opinion she longed for his esteem the good opinions of others was a necessity of her very existence and it was to free herself from unmerited blame that she made this full confession and it seemed to have been useless for the young man did not appear to be in any degree influenced by it she expressed more warmth more cordiality of manner at once she forgot that jean baptiste had much to think of that a rival had suddenly appeared before him, and that he felt himself to be rejected, and left out in the cold, and that the artist had been preferred. She was very sad for some weeks, and then this sadness deepened into melancholy. She would occasionally glance around her humble dwelling, and poor and plain as it was, she liked it better than the one in which she resided in the days of her fleeting opulence. The roar of the sea was pleasanter to her ears than the roar of carriages. Her present position, accepted with resignation at first as a well-merited chastisement, had now become very sweet to her, and she had learned to look back on her life in Paris as slavery itself. One evening late, the tide was coming in and breaking on the beach and against the high rocks with a deafening noise. Jean-Baptiste was at sea, and she felt very anxious. He came home every night and found neither fire nor supper. His life was spent in solitude, either in his boat or in his home. She suddenly felt a great pity for him, and she ran to his dwelling, lighted his fire, and put his soup to heat, and then returned with a lighter heart to her own solitary cottage. An hour later she heard steps, but she had gone up to her room, and there being no light below, the steps gradually died away. Then she felt alone and forsaken all at once, and life seemed hard to bear. Suddenly she went to her trunk, opened it, and took out the white silk robe Lucian had worn when she sang and applied herself to the self-appointed task of ripping it entirely apart. The laces and ribbons she had worn were laid with pieces of silk, and the whole finally rolled up in one close bundle. Then nothing was left of that which had embellished Lucian. The girl went to sleep with lashes wet with tears, with the feeling of a duty accomplished. The next morning at daybreak, when she went downstairs, she found Jean-Baptiste in the lower room. All the houses in that village were, so to speak, always on the latch bolts and bars were unknown crime was almost unknown there and people went and came as they pleased among their neighbors bonne marie's heart beat quicker as she saw this young man she recognized a new expression on his handsomely manly face bonne marie he said it is all nonsense for us each to live alone paris is a good distance off you have forgotten so have i when shall we be married the girl was very pale she liked him, yes, even loved him, and wished to minister to his comfort and happiness. But to become his wife was a vastly different matter. "'If you do not consent, Bonne Marie,' he said hastily, "'I shall know what to think. You have not told me the truth. That is all I have to say.' To be again misunderstood, and to be once more despised, seemed more than she could well bear. She looked him full in the face. "'Let my year of mourning expire first, she said quietly. That is all I ask. 
that is good her friend replied now he added may i breakfast with you he opened the door and dragged in a large basket containing the choicest fish he had caught the night before look he said take what you want in the future you are to have the best of everything she leaned over the basket to avoid his eyes and all at once she remembered the day when her father and the coast guard were telling stories by the window while jean baptiste at the other side of the room implored her to look kindly upon him she lifted her eyes to his and saw that he remembered it also that time is past and gone bonne marie he said past and gone with much that is good and much that is bad and i can truly say that i for one do not wish to see it back he took in his rough hand the girl's slender fingers and drawing her to him kissed her on both cheeks not with the air of a timid lover but as husband and master the winter passed away more quickly than they dreamed it could and was not as prodigal of storms and as usual therefore bonne marie did not learn until later the sorrows and anxiety that fall into the share of any woman whose lover or whose husband is a sailor one evening when the valley was green and fresh again the village gossips learned that this marriage would take place the next day the whole village was interested for jean baptiste had invited them one and all my marriage is nothing to be ashamed of he said and my bride and i wish to be friends with all the world come one come all then i say that evening jean baptiste was out fishing for he had set his heart on having on his table the finest dish of fish that had ever been seen bonne marie therefore was alone she wrapped herself in her cloak and went down to the beach where she had in other days dreamed so many fair dreams she felt the need of solitude for her house had been full all day of neighbors and reminded her of a hive of bees when the sea lay before her and a huge rock at her right concealed the path that led to the village she sat down had all her ambitious dreams ended here in this humble fishing port they had vanished and vanished too was all the romance out of her life to be devoted in the future to the austere calm of conjugal fireside what a contrast would this summer be to the last in spite of herself bonne marie remembered the frantic applause the madrigals and bouquetta had she really heard them or were they dreams like the rest the ballad she had sung at her debut came back to her she had forgotten it for she had never sung it since her return impelled by an irresistible desire to try her voice and ascertain if its power were diminished she sang j'ai quitté ma soeur en boucault the clear sweet voice rang over the sands bathed in the golden light of the setting sun a light mist through which the rays came was like a halo suddenly her voice failed her and she burst into tears and hid her face in the cool fresh grass i have suffered she sobbed suffered so much and i do so wish to be happy good and quiet she wept away her tears and calmed the wild pulsations of her heart and contemplated her future life jean's she would certainly be and happy why not with duty and mutual confidence as guides at this moment at the turn of the rock not on the beach whence in her dreams came the unknown but on the blue transparent sea appeared jean baptiste's sail it was her husband who was coming and all dreams must vanish at his approach bonne marie drove them away now for the last time they never came again or if they did she knew how to close the door in their faces at the salon of this year just at the time in fact that this marriage took place in amonville 
a wonderful portrait of a woman appeared, with the name Lucian. This portrait created an extraordinary excitement. The critics quarreled over it, all the artists discussed it, crowds gathered before it, and of the three hundred thousand visitors who were at the exposition, there were not ten, in all probability, who had not seen and admired it. The name of Morin was buzzed about as well as that of his model. Lucian's mysterious disappearance, long since forgotten, was now revived, and became the groundwork of a thousand romances, each and all far from the truth. The result of this was, for Morin, a celebrity as rapid as it was dangerous. He was punished through his success and through his egotism, for never again in his life did he do anything to be compared to this famous portrait. It is said, and with reason, that certain writers have never done but one good novel, and that was the story of their own existence. After this they could not give themselves up to fiction. Lucian, when she tore herself from him, had left in his side the triple arrow of wounded self-esteem, unsatisfied ambition, and some little sincere regret, out of which he wove for his friends a tale of an unforgotten sorrow. These new sensations had imparted to his pencil a depth of sentiment and power of execution he could never find again. Morin remained, therefore, an artist of second-rate reputation. But he became rich, for Lucian's portrait induced a wealthy heiress to order her own from him, and his order ended in matrimony. Ten years from this time, Bonne Marie was the mother of three fisher lads, handsome as pictures. The eldest went out with his father, in his boat constantly, and the other two rolled in the warm sand on the seashore, and paddled in the water to their heart's content. About this time it so happened that there was a grand fete in preparation at Cherbourg, in honour of the launching of a frigate built for the navy. The minister would be there, and the journals gave the names of the men of distinction who would accompany him. Among these, Bonne Marie read that of Louise Maurin, who came to sketch the scene for a great Paris paper. She was alone as she read this announcement, and all at once she felt that she must see the man again who had played so important a part in her life. Not that she preserved the smallest vestige of tenderness for him, but she fancied that, that should she see him, she would love her husband more fondly than ever. Choosing an auspicious moment, she spoke to Jean-Baptiste of his new fancy of hers, and as she rarely asked for any indulgence, he was only too glad to give his permission for her to go to Cherbourg for the fête. The children would remain at home with their father. Among a crowd of unknown faces, she was not long in discovering that of Morin, but so changed that she looked at him at first with considerable doubt. He had grown stout and grey. His eyes were surrounded with wrinkles, and he looked much older than he really was, for notwithstanding his financial success, the consciousness that other artists thought very little of his works had never ceased to weigh upon him. He was rich, but sad, being embittered by the consciousness of his utter lack of genius. "'And that is the man I loved,' said Bonne Marie to herself. "'I was utterly mad!' The look that she riveted upon the artist affected him magnetically, and he looked up. Morin's involuntary start proved to Bonne Marie that he had not forgotten his former model. Her features were as clearly cut as ever, and her eyes had lost none of their velvety brilliancy, but he attributed this resemblance to accident, to the type of the country, perhaps. Bonne Marie offered so calm and unmoved a countenance to his inquiring eyes that he passed on without an idea of the truth. She looked after him, 
his slightly rounded shoulders, a certain sulky air about the whole form and face of this discontented artist, excited her pity. "'Is it possible,' she said, as she turned homeward, without waiting for the fetay, "'is it possible that I ever loved this man?' Her husband was much surprised at her speedy return, without waiting for the launch of the fire or the fireworks. "'I found it wearisome,' she answered quietly. "'I was not amused without you.' That evening, when the children were asleep, and Jean-Baptiste sat smoking his pipe, his wife said to him, "'My dear, I have seen Louise Morin.' Jean-Baptiste started, and looked at his wife, who smiled tenderly in return. "'Indeed,' he said, with a jealous intonation in his voice. "'Well, my man,' she answered, employing the phraseology of the district, "'I love you, and that is all that is to be said.' Jean-Baptiste took in his the hand that rested on his shoulder, and went on smoking his pipe. They are perfectly happy. The End End of Bonne Marie, A Tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Greville, translated by Mary Neal Sherwood, recording by Susanna Mason.